We are glad to have the Sparkle Twins back as sponsors for Season 3. Sharice and Sharicia Williams are identical twin sopranos from Brooklyn, New York. Their business offers mouth masks to protect you from unwanted germs and conversations, with cute phrases like, yes, I am an opera singer, and no, I will not sing for you. Check out their shop at www.sopranotwins.com shop. Welcome to My So-Called Opera Light, a podcast for opera singers by opera singers, where we work to connect, inform, empower, and inspire musicians at all levels and stages of their career. Each episode, we'll explore a piece of the never-ending puzzle of the so-called opera life, humble brags and therapeutic complaints, as well as practical information about how this business works, each piece helping you on your journey towards success, which we believe should really mean happiness. happiness. I'm Marcel. And I'm Elise. And we're two sopranos trying to live our best so-called opera lives. Well, I very much enjoyed talking to Bea and Felix. Me too. Oh my goodness. They're just the most wonderful humans. I had met Felix very briefly pre-pandemic because he and B and uh, Eugenia from the first season were going to do a project together and then the pandemic killed it. <laughs> Uh, but Felix and I found a way to collaborate and be over the pandemic and um, they're just amazing humans and they're doing the work they're not you know I I feel like right we've had so many conversations on this podcast about the ways in which the industry is inequitable towards all of us (laughs) but particularly towards women and particularly towards uh, singers of color particularly black singers you know and they both are just like, you know what? Yeah, it's fucked up. And so we're not going to wait for anyone's permission to just make art and make art that we are like are interested in and tell good stories and make music and collaborate. Right. Something I think that is like I said to them, like at the beginning, like they just do so many projects. And after like I mean, in the interview, I feel like you'll hear like kind of the reason behind that and how they get it done and why they do it. And I, I think it's it's a great lesson and, I don't know, it's a great lesson because some of the stuff they do is, like, you know, high level, like, with all these, and then some of it's, like, their own projects, like, and, and but it's all, it doesn't matter. It all is art and it's all, like, it, it's... Really interesting It's stuff. all really interesting. Yeah, it's, like, all good, you know? And right. I think it's just an example of, like don't be shy about like who like they talk a lot too about like collaborators like collaborate figure out who you like working with and work with them and work with other people and like you're not gonna like everybody you know right and pitch projects to people you like working with right, right. um you know i've talked about this on the podcast a thousand times about how much i've held myself back like i'm waiting for someone to give me permission right to do the thing that I want to do for myself. And it's just like, well, if you think about, you know, we we have music history, right? And we think about like the fact that Rossini wrote how many operas and he wrote Generental in 25 days. And then Schubert wrote 300 art songs or 600 art songs or something ridiculous, you know? And it's like, well, the reason they did it was because they didn't wait for somebody to give them permission to just make their music happen. They just right. did it. Right. And the, you know, the people got on board after they'd already been at it for a while. <laughs> right, right. I know. And 
funny in doing all those different kinds of projects like especially Felix because he's a composer and a collaborative pianist and a coach like I see him everywhere even though I think I've never seen him in person like I've I uh, yet probably because probably because of the pandemic honestly otherwise right. I definitely would have seen him probably would have played you know he would have played for me and not an audition like but he's just everywhere and that's you know, I think why he has all these amazing opportunities. And it's not, that's his doing. You know, that is totally a credit to him. Right. He just goes for it. And so does B. B is yeah. just like, you know, she has really strong ideas. She has a beautiful, her directorial sense is just so good. Like, I, I don't know. It's so collaborative. That's right. the word we just keep coming back to. And yeah. when you listen to this conversation, you will understand why. Um, and the two of them together, they do a lot of projects together and they're just... They have such a great vibe. It's a real pleasure to be in the same room with them. Yeah. Or be in the same virtual room with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did um, and that it inspires you to reach out to them, but also to like say yes to your own stuff. Like yeah. make it happen. Make the it world happen. needs us to yes. make opera a live art form again. For sure. So um, in full disclosure, I've gotten to work with both of these amazing humans on our Zoom screen with us, but whose voices you will hear in a moment. Um, so we are so happy to have with us today, uh, B. Goodwin and Felix Gerard. I will let them introduce themselves. So please give us your name, your pronouns, and who you are and what you do in the small format, and then we'll jump into some conversation. B, would you like to go first? Sure. Hi, my name is B. Goodwin. I am a stage director and opera librettist. Uh, my pronouns are the She Series and happy to be here. Hi, uh, everyone. My name is Felix Gerard. I'm a composer, pianist based in NYC, and my pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm excited to be here today. Yay! <laughs> We're so glad to have you. I got to work with B and Felix. Um, we commissioned a piece from Felix last summer that we performed in February and B uh, stage directed our digital program all the way from LA while we were here in Philly and it was an incredible collaboration and we've got other stuff in the works. So um, it's so good to have you guys here. And really what we wanted to talk with you both today, it's a little bit of a multifaceted kind of question. Like one, I think a lot of individual singers are a little in the dark about like, how do I go about getting a piece commissioned and what are some of the do's and the don'ts and what is it, you know, what is that kind of collaboration like, but also what's the collaboration between a composer and a librettist like on the other side of like, you know, B, you sit behind the table as a stage director in auditions. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure that there's some wisdom you can impart to um, the singers who are going to be listening about, you know, again, like, here are the, here are some things that will help you succeed and don't do this thing. And then Felix, same way. I'm sure you have so many people put binders of music in front of you and you're just like, what am I looking at? Yeah. <laughs> I and have how to do we make that experience better for you? I know. I know. <laughs> and I have to say, like, one of the things I, I haven't had a chance to work with you, um, either of you yet. Hopefully I will in the future. But what I love about having seen what you guys are working on and your projects is that you are like really doing your own, whatever you want. It seems like you're doing like you're on your own terms. You work with like all different levels of singers and all different kinds of projects. And like, I remember way, way back when we interviewed like Eugenia Forteza, like 
so long ago, she she said, like, there are no rules anymore in opera. And I feel like you guys really embrace that. So I can't wait to like hear more about that. Like, can you talk about how your collaboration started and how you kind of take on different projects together? Sure, sure. Um, well, I met Felix in 2015 for a 2016 program. I was a dramatic stage director. I had never tackled opera before. And so in kind of like a string of events, Felix and I have this one very lovely artist in common who both taught us at both of our respective colleges. And she played matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. And sure enough, <laughs> here we are. Thank you, Rosalie Purvis. <laughs> it was a match. And so I went up to Vermont and I staged his second opera, Fall of the House of Usher, chamber opera. And I fell in love madly with the art form and the piece, frankly. We had such a good time. And it came up, you know, I was staying in Felix's cabin and it came up that I write. I had recently wrote a play that was accepted into Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I was really excited about that. And, and he said, oh, like, would you want to try writing a song cycle or an opera? And I was like, oh, I guess. So the first song that I, it was a poem that I had written that I kind of like adjusted a bit into what I thought could be lyrically an art song I gave to Felix and like, would you know, it's like my only published work and um, th thus far. And um, it's been sung by many, many amazing singers walking past a window. And then yeah, so from that, Songs of the Soul Beams was born. That was our first official collaboration. And the second that was done, I was like, I'm ready to write a full-length opera now. <laughs> and uh, so I did. And, and then we started working on Tabula. So that, that's like my side of the, the story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a different version, Felix? <laughs> oh, it's so different. He's like, it's it was so, nothing. It was like, nothing like that. <laughs> no, it's uh no, so but no, but it's true. Rosalie Purvis, who was my mentor in the undergrad, she was like, Oh, I know the perfect person for this project. And so <laughs> that was how our worlds came together. And yeah, Song of the Soul Beams, Songs of the Soul Beams. Uh it was uh world premiered at BAM and then later produced at Le Poisson Rouge before the pandemic. Hey, I love yeah. Le Poisson Rouge. I do too. It's one of my favorite venues I've ever played. That was like I love that production. And uh, it was very fun also because you get you get to see B not only as the creator but also as the director. And so the BAM show had all this beautiful like lighting that we made, uh, which was really awesome. And then she staged the LPR show like kind of like a rock show, which was really awesome <laughs> with all this fog and it was it was so cool. So that sticks out to me as a highlight. And then Tabula Rasa was the opera we were working on. And also Christmas Carol, uh, which came together too, uh, because we have so many, we have yeah, so we many. Got like a, we got a commission snuck in while yeah. I was working on Tabula and like Felix and I like panic wrote an opera and like, like, he, I wrote it in like a few weeks, and Felix wrote it in like two weeks. I wrote, I, I wrote it, I wrote it, and scored it, and and everything in two weeks. It was yeah. like a full length. It was, and yeah, it, this so was, like, this is while I was in grad school. Yeah, we like blacked out and wrote an opera in between the song cycle and like my first like official opera because wow. Tabula Rasa wasn't an adaptation. It was, you know, it was all 
coming from my brain and Gunnar is contributing. Yeah, and if, and if and if you want to see proof of what we were like mentally, go to Songs of the Soul Beans Facebook page and the trailers for all the 2018 Le Poisson Rouge show. And we're just like, we're like, we look tweaked out because we were just like, <laughs> we were like trying to do this opera really fast and made it happen. We made it happen for sure. But it was just like, we were like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It sounds like like the modern iteration of like Rossini writing Cenerentola in 35 days. (laughs) Yeah, but at least he had like a composer uh, write like Clorinda Zaria, like another composer. I didn't have that. It was all me. (laughs) It's amazing. That's great. Oh my gosh. And what about now? Like flash forward to where you guys are now. I mean, I know maybe you've moved to from new york so what are what how do you guys work together now and how has that kind of changed since you started yeah so i moved three years ago wow i've been here three years um my my partner got a job at nasa so when nasa calls you you typically respond to the call so both danny and i discussed what our lives would look like me on the road traveling if that's something that appealed to me and it definitely was and still is i i missed traveling quite a bit during the pandemic i mean felix and i didn't miss a beat when i moved out here because i i had enough on the books too that i was coming back for other reasons during my first year in la so yeah we were you know we we were doing zoom before it was cool (laughs) and and just you know collaborating that way it's a perfect combination because Felix and I both don't sleep so like we're just like you know I could call him at 1am and it's four and he'll you know just be waiting in bed for the next beam of light to come into his window and um and yeah that's that's how that's how we work insomniacs unite but yeah so before the pandemic we were about to release a new opera that we had written in Opera Fest. And I mean, Felix and I could talk a little bit about that, but we're still, you know, waiting for safety measures. And, you know, obviously grants are awarded in 2020 that dissipate in the wind because for some reason, um, people who grant the grants are like, oh, you don't need money in 2020. So funding went away and yeah kind of like a perfect storm of us trying to navigate what you know what coming acclimating back into into art next year so yeah Felix do you want to talk about hindsight sure yeah I I just want to also chime in that yeah the pandemic actually didn't affect mine and B's relationship at all (laughs) because we were we were we were doing that for a year before it happened so it was like oh okay cool which is probably how the collaborations came so easily during the pandemic but let's flat let's flash backwards to before so hindsight so it was um basically I love writing operas with B because she for our collaborations will always bring an idea to the table and like as a collaborator I love seeing what librettists lyricists bring in terms of like topics and she's just chock full of them and she was reading about the Leopold and Loeb trial and Mm -hmm. about the uh, concept of the Übermensch and also just how that would be as like a duo drama with two instrumentalists and it's very immersive and like the uh, pianist and the clarinetist are involved like clarinetist speaks text over the piano and the music evokes romanticism the american songbook um and she had this brilliant concept and i i was like i'm here i'm here for this so we wrote a couple of arias from the work we had a lead-off project a lead-off aria with wait and see and love song for a bird 
because uh, so it, and it really dives into like their relationship and kind of what I loved about the libretto and what I I think it's like actually my favorite opera I've ever written would be and it's one of my two best operas I think I've ever written just in terms of this where it stands for me because like I got to explore kind of like the humanistic side of child murderers and like almost like you kind of like get to feel like sorry for one of them at the end because of how infatuated they were with the other and kind of the idea of what power and sexuality can like get you and infatuation and obsession tied into a, a piece about a murder that happened during the Red Summer, which was a time of a lot of civil and racial unrest in Chicago. And I'm really excited to perform it and to have it performed, to coach it and to uh, see B's vision come to life from everything I've heard once it's safe to do so. Um, obviously, it hasn't happened because of the pandemic, but, you know, fingers crossed that it will be soon. Thankfully, we've just done our first show back together. My uh, drag opera, Mother Goose, went out at the Emerging Artists Theater. Uh, last month, we had a full house, two nights in a row. No one got COVID, and it was a huge success. So uh, we feel really motivated and to go back into doing this live theater and doing hindsight when it's safe to do so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. That's amazing. So when people want to collaborate with you guys and like do the commissioning process, because I'll be totally honest, Felix, when we, when we reached out to you to commission our piece, I had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> I was just like, I know I want to work with you and you have amazing out of the box ideas. And that's kind of the thing we're looking for, for our program. But also like, I had no idea like what it would cost and like, how do we get a librettist? Do we not get a librettist? Like what, you know, so. Okay. Wow. So this is a, this is a really huge question, but it's great. It's good for people to know how to reach out and stuff. Um, I thought you did a really great job. You know, you, you uh, met with me, we talked, so I, you know, because with commissions, you have to look at, okay, what is someone wants? You know, I always like to know who I'm writing for, because B can also agree with me. We don't write for specific voice types, we write for specific singers. So like, yeah. it's really important for me to get to know the singer behind whatever the project is, because I want to write it for their voice, you know, because, you know, just because you're in one Fach doesn't mean you necessarily do all the things great in that Fach. It might actually correspond to a couple of other things. So like I wanted, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, you as a singer. I also heard you sing because you did some programs with some colleagues of mine and I watched some right. virtual recitals. So I had an idea and I, you know, we, um, our wonderful mutual friend, Eugenio Forteza, uh, I had been introduced to you before. And so I had an idea of kind of where you were coming from. And you just, you described, you know, what you wanted in terms of length, in terms of number of songs and, you know, a general timeline. And so, you know, it's just good to do that. And then like for costs, you know, just like a fee. And then, uh, you know, usually what I do is, you know, 50% down when you put the contract down. And then when I turn it in, the other 50, that's usually very standard. Just sharing that just also, because I guess a lot of composers also don't know how to do this because they don't teach you this in school. Right. <laughs> they don't right. teach you anything. They don't teach you any of the useful stuff that like. Right. <laughs> but that's right. how you like do it. And then basically within that, usually there's a specific subject, but you were you were very open minded. So I threw at you my craziest idea I had that I really wanted to do. <laughs> and I was like, hey, because I because uh, I also write, you know, B and I inspire each other. So we always like, you know, she'll write something. And I get inspired by that and like stuff so I was like okay like let me I wanted to write about like uh vampires and like a comedic vampire song cycle with like a very salacious ending and you were like totally down for that I was like awesome so 
you know, just really communicating. And uh, it's important also just like, you know, for also composers to know, hey, you know, it's good to send stuff as you write it, you know, and especially, you know, working with any kind of voice, you know, just like the range, tessitura. I personally always will share how I approach a high note, no matter what, if it's above a B flat, um, just right. because that's, I want, you know, that's just being, it's collaborating. And right. also vice versa, just like hearing you and like, what was fun about Vampire Delights, it's like, yeah, I wrote it for like a soprano voice, but there's also, you also have like an extensive chest voice and there's a lot of like low juicy stuff, <laughs> which was like really fun to write because yeah. you really don't usually get that in like, soprano song cycles but I like words to be understood so I'm like into that so uh yeah so that was like very fun to like get to do that and and then B came in and then there was the whole video component and do you want to talk about like that B like how that side came into play sure sure but also just like for on like a commissioning note too like I (laughs) It's so, it's so funny because like my job is such a precarious one. Like I feel that the poet slash lyricist slash librettist slash dramaturg are like always the first on the chopping block. Like if there's like a financial constraint or something, it's like the words and the history always is the first to get the big old scissor slice. And that's why you know, so many art songs and so many concert pieces. It's like public domain poem by dead white man, public domain poem by dead white man. Like it, there's just such an overabundance of like antiquated viewpoints, like that keep massaging deeper and deeper and deeper. And like, you know, as the public domain progresses, like for instance, like next year, like 1926. So we get like, we get an emergence of female writers and and that's, and that's great because it was okay then to be a female and to have a pen, <laughs> finally, you know, newly 100 years old concept. And yeah, so I think that that will be great as the public domain opens up, there, there will be, you know, more gender and ethnicity representation. But like work with someone who's living. It doesn't, it doesn't cost like that much more. And like we're here, we're available. We, you know, we we have our, our thumb on the pulse of contemporary issues and contemporary viewpoints on timeless issues, you know? So I think like we are underutilized a lot. I feel like we sit by our phone, like waiting for it to go off. But like, at least to your point, like Felix and I, like at one point we're like, fuck it. Like, we're just going to make our own stuff because we're not going to wait any longer. Right. We're not going to wait for someone to decide to commission us. Like we're going to form fully fledged ideas, go to companies or figure out how to write grants and produce something on our own. And we're just going to do it. Right, right. So that's why I think like potentially unpopular opinion, but like, here we go in sync style. American contemporary opera doesn't know what it is. It's like, you know, Marcel and I have chatted about this before. Felix and I have chatted about this before. And here I am on a podcast saying this doesn't know what it is. It's either, you know, historical fiction from one point of view or tragedy porn, in my opinion. And I would love to, like, a reason that Felix and I work so consistently together, other than the fact that, you know, I love Felix to death, is because he knows how to write melody and and honor, honor the art form and how it once was. 
and to snowball somersault it into contemporary times. Right, right. Um, there's nothing more heartbreaking to me as a poet who works very hard with rhythm and meter and alliteration and wordcraft to like be reduced to like bleep, bleep, bloop, bloops, atonal weirdness. Yeah, not my thing. But that's why, you know, it's it's all it's all such a process, like meeting the people that you collaborate with and right. feeling one another out. Like just like certain friendships, like, you know, someone can, I, you go to a particular friend who could really identify like one sort of emotion inside of you. Then there's another friend that could satiate something completely different. That's like the go out and have fun and let your hair down friend. Like different composers serve that for me. And, and yeah, I just think that we definitely can be more utilized right. in the process. Like also like in programming too, like for instance, like like a, a, an opera company will reach out to Felix and say, I'd love to program I the Dead Sea, Untitled and something walking past a window. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that Felix said yes to that on both of our behalves. And I'm so glad that I'm finding out online who the singer is and when it is. And no one will reach out to me at all. And, I, and also, I will also mention, I do tell them to reach out to the uh, poet and I do give the email and they don't. So wow. a lot of a lot of companies actually abuse writers like of words. Okay. Um, and I'm just like, you can leave that in because I think they need to hear that because there's there's been some instances with things where like that's happened and I'm like not okay with it. Yeah. Like it's like it's like pissed me off, you know. And like, well, you know, because yeah. also, you know, it's always like I always try to defer to be, but a lot of companies, like you're in such the scarcity mindset, they just put everything on the composer. And I'm not a director. I never will direct. I don't want to. That's not I don't go to school for that. That's what B does. That's what B is trained in. B specializes in British studies. She's an expert on Shakespeare. She knows about rhythm. She knows about pentameter. There's a lot of things that she can do that I can't. Your your company needs this so it doesn't look like fucking garbage. So mm -hmm. like put the fucking money down so it actually looks that way. And don't put it on me because I don't know that fucking shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. But like, no, but it's true. It's like, yeah. it, that's how it is. Like literally B and I just have conversations about that. It's like, oh, they forgot to ask you about that or they said they were going to send you something and they didn't. You know, it's like fucking garbage. Well, right. it's like, you know, and this is this is obviously a little um, <laughs> centimeter on the mile of this issue, but um, ever since people can Google something or watch one YouTube tutorial on it, they're an expert on it. Like they, 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 they know it all. And, um, I think a lot of that, I, I think that my, um, area of expertise as niche and bizarre as it is, like I, I do have a degree in British studies and my professor was Pamela Mason who wrote footnotes, published footnotes in, in the Arden Shakespeare anthologies. So like I am of Pamela Mason's lineage of students. Um, yeah, like you could utilize those things and, and the product will be a lot more multifaceted and interesting um, for sure. I, yeah, and also there's been like companies where you go up and you'll tell them this and they don't care because they think they know better even though they just Googled something. Right, um, but also like, you know, the story is going to be better. Storytelling is a, is a craft unto itself and then crafting 
the words which are going to bring that drama to life is it's a lifelong craft and i think it's so often in opera we can we we think about the music first yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I know i wrote down like, really yeah there's like yeah, like really the opposite is true like the words the word the words and music work in tandem but like really your felix as a composer i imagine you're you're responding to the drama of the words and then figuring out like how do i add the subtext that can't be expressed through just the words alone of this character's experience with the music that's behind them and then heighten that drama yeah yeah it it works like you have you have to work it together because you know b knows that words need space for music but you can't make it stupid and you can't do a stupid rhyme scheme like because a lot of american libretti have horrible rhyme schemes and i just wish i would take all the rhymes out some of the time because i just like or just like that line doesn't have to rhyme like it sounds stupid like it Mm. just sounds stupid you know and also writing in english is a thing so it's just like knowing how to like space things because people don't you know they just also with writing because also a lot of composers don't know how to write well for the voice and i so as a coach i specialize in contemporary opera i see many composers who write terribly for the voice or they write like for very specific things and it just doesn't work, you know? And if they get uh, commissioned for a work with a librettist like B, they're not going to be able to set her words or do or understand what it's like to like honor yeah. like, the intentions of the poet. Because like B and I have so many discussions about text and meaning and how the words play with that. And she'll like write like, we have this little system, we read each other's minds. She'll like write in a libretto, like put in a text. He's like, hey, Felix, let's get some music here. Like if there's like a scene change or something. So like, I like know, like, because we do also a lot of things that like have are continuous. So it's like, you know, just communicating like that, you know, because a lot of librettists will just like hand over a document and it looks like a play and a play is very different from an opera. Right, right. Like they don't, like, is it an aria? Is it restit? Is it arioso? Is it a chaina? Like, what are you, what are you going for? You know, or I hate libretti where they fucking don't put it in like the rhyme scheme thing they just write it like it's an essay like it's not grad school like get that out like it's it's words with right with, right like because then that puts it on me to then work around it and you know like yeah. prose is, it's different than setting prose poetry which is totally a different kind of thing but like the kinds of things that i also see like are like there's just like a lot of red flags and just you know you know um, contemporary opera in america right now is an absolute travesty so yeah well i have like so many there there are so many threads here so but we are not we are nice people and we like to think good things do happen but we also like well, keep it this real is, what what i there i want to talk about all of them but the one that yeah. i'm <laughs> i'm gonna start with one um like <laughs> i think that's like that singers um as individuals are a little bit like scared to reach out and scared to not like know the answers even though like they're not expected to know the answers and that's what they have to realize I think but you know I think hopefully people hearing the podcast is just like just reach out and like perform living art and so I was just wondering like how do you take on projects especially commissions well, at least to your point, like, I, I feel that something that we are desperately trying to claw our way out of is like, opera is built on such a mentor-mentee relationship where it's like, oh, you don't have this knowledge. I do. I will bestow this knowledge that I have onto you. 
but I am going to make you feel X, Y, Z in the process. And, you know, I, I understand where the trepidation is coming from because remember I'm a stage director as well. So like, I'll go, I'll go in a room and I'll say, you're sitting on an impulse. You wanted to cross stage left in this moment. Why didn't you? And they're like, well, you didn't tell me to, or I didn't feel that I couldn't. I'm like, who cares what I said? Like you're in the moment experiencing something. I give you permission to go with what you feel and right. then we'll talk about it. So I completely understand in many different ways, just from my experience in, in the room, that there is this inherent trepidation and there shouldn't be. And I think that like, Yes, Felix and I both have our opinions on where contemporary American opera is at. However, I feel that like everyone in our ring right now is so approachable. Like I don't, I I have not worked with anyone genuinely that's like so nose up, like don't talk to me about it. Like we all are like trying to feel what the change is and roll it in a positive direction for the most part, I feel, I feel so get in touch with us. Like if you are singing a piece that Felix and I already wrote, talk to me about like, I could like, do you have like, you know, can you give me like three sentences about like your headspace when you, when you wrote walking past a window or something like that? I will always say yes. I will always be like, yeah, like my grandma was in the hospital and that shook me to my core because like blah, 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 you know, like I'll, I'll talk about it and you could interpret it however you like. If you need me to give you action verbs on something like anything, like I'm, I'm down to clown, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sorry if I like deviated way the hell from what you asked, but I guess like I can't hit home the point enough that like we are people that, you know, like we're, we're just, we're not, there's no pedestal here. Also, (laughs) also I want want to jump on what B's saying because that's, this is why we're like twins in this way. Cause I was going to say, you know, reach out to, reach out to us, you know, like for example, talking to me doesn't mean you're automatically talking to B and talking to B doesn't automatically you're talking to me. So that's like, and people like really mistaken that it's like, no, we're two different people, like fucking, fucking message both or learn what a group text is. Right. And you don't only do projects together. You do things separately. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But people, people are stupid. So, um, for lack of a better word. And also, also, um, like, you know, if you're like seeing a piece and you want to reach out, like send a rough cut like I'll listen to it like I'm I I you know like yeah that's important you know what work is being put out you're like I'm I'll listen to it I'll, I'm happy to give any feedback or I'm happy to just to listen and not give any just like you know just collaborate and do that you'd be surprised about how hard that is as a concept yeah even with the pandemic where that's an industry standard like a lot of a lot of people just think they can go and do things and it's like oh okay you know or like that like it's you know but you know when you're working with do- someone like I do think it is important to acknowledge that like we are coming out of eras where like people like composer and librettist were like untouchables like oh I'm singing this person's work and and like they weren't those those creatures the the composer and librettist um were more like unicorns that they couldn't talk to right, like right. we live in a different era you know like, they're like hallowed yeah hallowed ground and so like we yeah. must be reverential instead of it being collaborative and and I think like it ends up it ends up doing kind of to speak to what you were saying be about you know people being afraid and and not that we don't as singers we don't trust our instincts yeah as a yeah, consequence you're, like, you're not taught to like right. in acting school they're like 
you're naked in a in a room full of people like sometimes literally and or emotionally and right. like they, like they just like strip everything from you but like singers i think that like it's almost like the flip side of that where like you learn how to be guarded and like what the intricacies of your guarding is like it's so bizarre right well and also just like the you know the the mindset that you have to like sing sing the thing perfectly right right and like we all we all feel so like i feel like so much of the opera i see is safe it's really safe Yes. Yes. And like, so like, for instance, when Felix and I are doing a new opera together, he doesn't come to the staging rehearsals. Or if he does, he sits in the corner and like acts as an extension of the stage manager, like looking through the text, because I say to the cast, this is not about the music. Right. It's about the staging. It's about the impulses. It's about the feelings. You shouldn't like, there should not be conductor in the room right now. So right. Felix like sits, so like I have like this whole like hippy dippy ritual where like I always sit on the floor. I don't ever want there to be a boundary, a physical table boundary betwixt me and the art making. I sit on the floor. I am with the floorboards with you guys. And Felix and I do the same thing where I'm like, sit next to me, be a united front and a support with everyone going on this is not about the notes right now. And if we have time at the end, we'll do like a either speed through or run through with the music. But I'm like, you're not allowed to give music notes because they need to feel safe to fuck up because the drama and the story is right at the precipice right now. Right. And Another- then the rest will come. But when I direct a Mozart or a Salieri or whatever, people are just like so scared because they know that other people know how it should sound and like the you know the conductors on the side of the room and stuff and I'm like this isn't a staging rehearsal then this isn't an art making experience then it is you trying to immediately digest all that I've thrown at you while making someone with a stick happy right right well it's not art making right right. and I also be I want to jump on that because I absolutely I, I agree with that. And like, I feel like that needs to be more of a common practice. Cause like, that's why there's coachings and stuff. So I do, I'll do my coachings with the singer separate and uh, just, and then we bring it together and like do that because I feel like it's important to have that. And a lot yeah. of people don't have that or they're not, you know, but you know, it's not, it's not just about the music. It's also with the production. It's about yeah. the craft on the stage, which people. Yeah. Some forget. That's totally true. And something that I was thinking before, I think, singers, uh, especially younger singers that don't really know where to start when they graduate are almost like afraid to or not sure like what living composers to to collaborate with or what to sing or what's and we're a lot of times looking at things instead of like the story that we want to tell is the thing that's going to like look good or the thing that's going to like make me like go somewhere and so but like it's exciting to hear you guys talk about like living art and how to collaborate and like that it's alive and that should be how it is even you know you like you just mentioned be you do works that have been were written hundreds of years ago as well and they are still living I mean you had mentioned that some um, American opera doesn't know what it is right so to me that means that singers should just do it all and just let Like, go with it, you know? This season is sponsored by The Empowered Musician. 
The Empowered Musician, founded by Dr. Dana Lynn Varga, helps musicians to forge their own path with pride. Dana is a fierce advocate for singers and a leader in moving the classical vocal industry forward. Through the EM website, you can read Dana's articles, schedule one-on-one -on -one career coachings, book Dana for a speaking engagement, or sign up for her upcoming affordable six-class series called Everything You Need to Know About Entrepreneurship for Singers, which starts on April 10th. The Empowered Musician also has incredible artists on staff, offering voice lessons, musicianship lessons, and both dramatic coachings and repertoire diversification sessions for singers. Voice lessons are available for a wide range of ages, levels, and genres, and their highly sought-after teachers are accessible from anywhere in the world through virtual lessons as well as eventually in-person in multiple cities. Keep an eye out for additional professional development courses such as Acting for Singers, Body Mapping for Musicians, Intro to Jazz Singing, and more. Be sure to check out www.theempoweredmusician.com. Absolutely. Yeah, and also, also because I also do like a ton of vocal coaching with singers too for, on also the, op, the American Opera Evans Standard. I also notice this a lot too, where people are like, it's like such a, almost like a pipeline where you're supposed to do it like this way and it's like supposed to be, and I'm like, no, because then also you end up like actually like sounding like shit when you do it. And so like, it's almost like, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, are you listening to yourself? Like th there's so many things that also doesn't set you up for. And so it's almost like you throw that all away, you sing it with your fucking voice and you give it and you do it because that is how you're going to be performing this rap. And even if it's like, the standard rep perform it like it's yes, like it was written yesterday, like the ink is fresh on the page. What is this marking? What are you doing? Like there is so, also like there's so much also that singers aren't taught in school that would help them understand, you know, working on American rap, working on standard rep, you know, the amount of musicianship training I have to go through with some of them is just, it's, you know, it's part of the job, but it's like, they don't, they don't have those skills because school doesn't set them up for success, you know? Like, like young artist programs do not set them up for success. Mm -hmm. This industry doesn't like how it's structured. So you sort of are all thrown out of school in tons of debt and you're like, what's next? And yeah. that's, and you know, you don't have the skills to actually get hired. You don't have all this thing. So it's sort of like, it's sort of like, like, I think also the millennial generation has come to that conclusion of like, oh, so this thing is like fucked us over, you know, the system, <laughs> which is kind of endemic to the system, you know? And that's why I didn't go to a conservatory for my undergrad. This is why I like, for my grad degree, I went to a program where I could do other things, like get other skills and just get like, have that and a state school for my grad program. Like, you know, it's just like, you have to learn how to make it work for you and like do it in the most economical way possible. And then, <laughs> and then maybe you might then have the brain power to reach out and write something, an inquiry to a composer. Because like out of school, you they, they kind of make it like this mythical thing, like B was saying. Like I sorry if I'm repeating you, B, but I agree yeah. with everything. It's like, yeah, it's like, oh, we're just these mythical things that no, we're like people, we're actively on the scene, like just approach us, like let's work, let's make something. But you know, you have to just get over that idea of fear because I think fear is what's gonna like ruin any chances of a career in the long run. 
So true. And I was so afraid when I reached out to both of you initially. <laughs> but you did it. That's I will so speak to that. Hilarious. It's so funny. You never I gave know. off that. No, um, you never you never did. Oh, I'm, I'm I'm very good at masking. <laughs> you radiate confidence, darling. But yeah, because I mean, same thing. I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. They're going to know that I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, like we have to act like we have it all together. But it was like my first time talking to anybody about a commission, talking like hiring a stage director for myself, for my own project for the first time. And like you guys, like it, it was, it was so collaborative. And I think like, if there's any information, like info I want to share with our audience, it's like, it's that like, you know, and don't be afraid. I got lucky, right? The, the first two people I reached out to were folks that I vibed with. And, you know, like we were like immediately were bouncing ideas back and forth and, and felt good. And like, certainly I know that there will be time in the future where I'll reach out to a composer to pitch a piece and I'm not going to feel that vibe and I'm not going to go through with that. Because for me, I learned just because of I'm working with you, like the relationship between the right. creator mm-hmm. is actually an, a, a relationship of equals. Yes. Well, that's to yes, the table that's, mm-hmm. and it needs to feel good. <laughs> well, that's what I wanted to say too, that like the singers listening you are interviewing us as much as we are seeing if we vibe with things it's not like here i am the singer in this subservient role coming to you and like laying it all out like no like if you think that one of us are assholes and you're not feeling it then you're not feeling it and listen to it you know like there's no responsibility there um and i think that like I've I've said it before and I'll say it again, like holding on to your power. It's yeah. it's not hi, I'm an auditioner, right? Segue into the next bit. Hi, I'm an auditioner and I'm groveling. It's like, no, I'm an artist just like you are. It's just a different medium and I'm sharing a story. Here's my story. Bye. <laughs> like, right. So you just have to desperately, like, and I I know a few things. Um little bits of knowledge that I have gained from other people along the way of how to gain that power in the room that I try to regurgitate to folks all the time because it's important yeah. because the wrong people, the wrong higher ups will smell that quality and love that quality. When you come in shaking, doe-eyed, ready to please, overly eager, it's like, ah, you are then perfect victim for iniquitous practices that right. we all that was, No, Yeah. That was one of the, the things that I wrote down too, was like the, I wrote like collab relationships. Like you were talking earlier about like how different collaborations serve like different aspects of your artistic like journey or the story that you're trying to tell. And I think on the same end, like singers need to know too, that those relationships, like, you know, something that doesn't seem right. Like it's not you in the, like, it's, it, 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 maybe it is you, but it's, it's not that you're in the wrong. It's just that maybe that's not the right fit. And it, you can only know that by exploring, you know? Yeah. And, and also being cognizant of, of, you know, situations like it, like anytime, like you go into an audition, write down in a journal after what absolutely rocked in that room, what you were feeling, what wasn't someone could be looking at you behind the table in like a really like morose kind of way. Break that down. When that happens next time, 
I have these tools to prepare myself for that. This made me feel this way. How did I channel that? Like, even if someone else is giving you something that you're not vibing with, you need to have those tools of how to, how to prepare yourself for it the next time. Because as you know, we work with lots of different personalities. Mm. All of us, all of us do. Not only, you know, singers coming in for an audition for something. Like you should see that as a young female director, you should hear some of the conversations that I hear or that are directed towards me. Yeah. Yeah. So not only you. I have to ask one other component of the collaboration and the commissioning, like with monetary like financially I think that's another barrier that singers feel sometimes hesitant to even ask because they might just have no idea um if they even have the means to and they don't and they would like want to be fair or they just feel embarrassed or something like do you have any any advice or anything to speak to that yeah I do so on New Music USA uh I, I believe it's New Music USA they have a they have a calculator commissioner thing. So you can literally go, you can put what you want to commission and you can get an idea of what a professional company would charge for a commission. Now, there are other factors at play. If it's a smaller organization, the fee is usually going to be a lot less, but it is something to have a dialogue about and it's something to ask a composer about because composers do have like some thresholds for things. So that could be something to know. It varies on such a case-by-case basis that any kind of number I would throw out would be very different for depending on who you're asking. But for a starting place, that calculator is a great tool and you can use that to understand, okay, that's the kind of project for this. So I would recommend that they start there. Okay, great. We'll pop that link in the show notes for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I didn't even know about it. <laughs> Not a lot of people do. I didn't even know about it until someone mentioned it last year. And I was like, oh, yeah. great. So if like anyone has questions, I'll be like, here you go. That is something that like I love about like, our age of social media and like podcasts and stuff like that. Like, I feel like so many more people are willing to share knowledge and, and give it's so accessible. It really, really is. Like if you look and you listen, like there are things that like, you don't need to trip over your own shoelaces all the time. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, before even having interviewed you guys and spoken now with you, like just seeing what the projects you take on and how you kind of express your artistry online, what is inspirational. And it also, to me, it just highlights like the more people that have the courage to do this, the more opportunity there is for, I don't know, representation in opera, more opera, more jobs, more audience, like just more of everything. So yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, it's dorky, but like you do need to market yourself. And like, I like my social media grid takes time, you know, and like, obviously, Elise, you and I've met what, 57 minutes ago. And <laughs> like, you already know quite a bit about me and and who I am. And that's like a very carefully curated thing where it's like, you know, I want to show enough of myself that I feel approachable. Um, but there are sectors of myself that it's like, I don't post a lot of photos of like me and my partner. I mean, he has a government job, as you know, and like, there are, there are privacies like with that and my home life and, and whatnot. And like, yeah, but I want to show enough that I'm approachable and you know what you're getting when, like, when you come to me, you know, you're going to get something feminist, a little over the top, very poetic. Like that's what I want to like exude and put out there. There, there are no surprises. 
right. um, because we don't really have time for surprises. We live in a very fast paced world. So right. make it concise and clear for people. Well, yeah, I, think- I agree. I'll go ahead. Um, I, I agree with what B said too, because, you know, like also with my writing, it's sometimes very incredibly personal and sometimes even diaristic. But, you know, I, I always try to make it in a way that's relatable to a larger audience if it's something that's emotionally honest. So it's like a very important boundary because you're sharing a lot of yourself, but at the same time, mm-hmm. you're protecting the information that is personal. And it's sort of just like, you know, just understanding that element of sharing it with an audience, you know, which I think we both have now because people sort of, like notice things that we do on a more so than when I was in like grad school at least it's like oh yeah and or I get like recognized outside a lot more like I literally went to a concert on Sunday and I got hired for a gig because someone recognized me online there like I and it was a concert uh, I was just attending a friend was doing so yeah I mean I feel like Felix and I have had the conversation so many times like we just wanted to delete our Facebooks but it's like or meta excuse me or um, meta but, but it's like no. no people recognize you and like I have like I know it's not glamorous but like again like singers should hear this like I've gotten hired from composers and companies from Facebook like you mm-hmm. can send me a Facebook message it's fine because <laughs> like right. other people do and I got hired from it so it's right. like it's it is these tools are there and I I don't think it's inappropriate or anything yeah no and I think I people are really open to at least like having a conversation you yeah. know like that first conversation doesn't have to be the commitment to the gig you know like mm-hmm. People will give you a half hour of their time to see if it's something they're interested in. You know, and also I want to say like one of the things that I've been exploring with Prismatic is just like I recognize like right now I'm not in a place where we have a ton of funding yet because we're new, you know. And so like one of the things I've tried to do is like also lean in on the fact that while the other the composers and, and stage directors and librettists who are underrepresented in the arts right now anyway are kind of where I'm at. We're like we're all young and scrappy to quote some Hamilton you know, and so many of the people that I've talked to, I've just been upfront and been like, hey, like, here's where we are. This is the budget we're working with, you know, and people generally tend to be so willing to just like work with good collaborators and do something really interesting and get stuff on their portfolio, too, that like they'll be willing to work for a smaller fee than you think, because like they really enjoy working with you to start, you know. Absolutely. So that you can at least get some momentum going and get the grant funding and then like build, you know, you can't build Rome in a day. Yeah. And also like singers, like record, record the premieres of like stuff that you, B and, B and I do. We love recordings. Like, like, if you like go to a composer say, hey, share them. I'll, I'll not only commission this, I will record it. And that's not only for my portfolio, for B's portfolio, for it, that's, that's huge to have a recording, like a recorded premiere, to have a live concert premiere. Like that's, mm-hmm. You know, make it make it not only serve what you could helps you, but also that also helps us because like I believe like we can all go up the mountain together. But stuff like that, like just put that out there. Like oh, even if it's virtual, I'll do a whole like Marcel. That's what Prismatic did with Vampire Delights with B. Right. Like just make it a whole thing. Like that's mm-hmm. so cool. That, that's so great for everybody involved. Yeah, right. and like you know, your like the bartering system like can involve like hey, like I don't have a ton of funds for this. However, I can guarantee you three Instagram posts that I'll like that I'll tag you in, and you'll get a great recording that will be on YouTube and blah 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 and blah 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 and blah blah blah. Like it just specificity and honesty will always right. serve you so well across the board. And with I all feel- of this, at least put it in writing in an email. <laughs> Like, yeah, mm-hmm. always, always, always. Writing's great. We love writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
goodness. This is great. We Do we want to talk a little bit about auditions? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. It's audition season. Let's talk about auditions. <laughs> so what are you guys' roles in audition rooms, past previous experiences in terms of being in the audition room? I'm sure there may be more than one role. So I sit behind a table and take notes. Are you often a part of, I'm sorry to interrupt. Are you often a part of auditions as that you're already working on a particular, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You understand. (laughs) So what my experience has been, I've worked with quite a few young artist programs in New York City. I, I will tell you this, and I tell singers this all the time, and they their minds are blown. The pianist in the room has more of a casting say than I do. Whoa. I have found because music and musicality and how you present yourself as a musician will always, always supersede dramatic activity. People know if it's like, there's like, you know, if it's schmackty as we call it, or like over the top or not honest performing, but yeah, it's like the musicianship always kind of like guides the ship home. So I'm always kind of brought in the room and like, I don't know, um, I, I give, I give my opinions as I see it. Or if, if there's an opportunity for someone to sing a second piece, and if I really am liking someone, I'll ask, can they sing their second aria in English, please? So I could get, I could like tap into something and then give them stage direction. So like whenever a countertenor comes in, they always have the Oberon aria prepared. And like, I know Midsummer, I've directed it twice. I've been Puck seven times. So I know, I including the Briton because he doesn't sing. And I know, I know how to like, deep tap into that and see if they could take direction on the spot and how they listen to direction as well so yeah that's that's what I that's what I do in the room this is it (laughs) and are you are you primarily in the room as like a consultant for that young artist program or that you will be at the young artist program so that so that I will be like stage directing that's what like the big kick in the pants is is because like I see all these people that will potentially be in my show and I sometimes don't have a whole hell of a lot of say if the person that I have my heart set on will be in said show or not Mm -hmm. yeah yeah which is always really funny because like those, those auditions, as you know, like they are long time slots. They're long time slots. And like, I used to be a cigarette smoker for 11 years. So like it, it, w- towards like, you know, towards break time, like re- I was like, like scratching up my thighs. Like I would like a cigarette. I would like the noise to stop. I would like to, you know, but like you have to kind of tune that out because you have to pay attention to what's in front of you. So yeah, they're very long slots. We don't get many breaks and I don't get many opinions in the room. So there you go. Sounds really <laughs> fun. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's so funny because people will hire me and be like, oh, because you have such like a theatricality and we want to bring theater into opera. And it's like, but then you don't listen if someone can act or not. So like, good luck to us. Good luck to us. Um, but yeah. How about your experience, Felix? So, um, I work as, like, I do music direction coaching and a lot of audition. I play so many auditions, I can't even, I, I, I've lost count. I'm basically at the point now where uh, people will tell me where I go, what the rep is, and what time I'm in and out. And I make sure everyone gets what they need out of me. 
And that's basically where I'm at. It's very fun, but yeah, I'm usually in the room as the pianist, you know, so if you hand your binder, you're probably going to see me. If you're in New York, you'll probably see me at an audition. I literally, this is like my first vacation day, like in like almost three months, like where I'm not like playing Daviani, which, you know, great aria, love it. But like, you know, it's like every day, every day, every day uh, to quote Drake. And, you know, I usually, I'm there and I see the singer will come in, you know, I judge the hell out of a singer if they're nice to me, because I try to always be nice, ask them their name, you know, I used to shake hands, you know, that's not really a thing. Now it's like a elbow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is it this year? It's been, it's been interesting, you know, because I'm basically going to all these auditions and playing for things. And, you know, there's all these companies, they don't have their seasons announced. No one knows kind of what's going what on. It's yeah, like the Wild West it's, right it's, now. It's, it's, it's a little, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm here just, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm just doing all of all the arias and all the things. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's usually the standard things. I was going to say, I feel like it's the Wild West, but like, we're like, do you watch, what's the name of that show? Westworld? Oh, we're like, yeah. It's like, we're robots coming in and we're like, well, I this shouldn't like, be here. <laughs> like, I am like the animatronic <laughs> prostitute, like trying to navigate like what the fuck is going on. Yeah, we're like, like we, this feels great. like not right anymore. Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, with singers, you can have your binders prepared. You can have your cuts ready. You should know how to give a tempo. So a lot of things like that, which singers don't know how to do sometimes you know and I try to be like very polite about it and stuff um but yeah usually in the room should you tell uh, us how to give a tempo in case instead of so we don't assume I mean just like lightly sing a little part of it I mean it's very it's very easy to do that and just have things marked if you're doing a baroque aria it's always great to write your ornaments in for the da capo I mean I play a lot of baroque music so I can intuit it but like don't expect a pianist to know the tradition they probably don't and also just in terms of like any kind of bel canto piece, like just mark your cadenzas or anything, you know, that's, you know, that's not, I, I also like make sure your music's readable. Um, yes. You'd be surprised uh, and you'd be surprised at that. Um, also make sure you actually know your cuts because I can't tell you the amount of times singers will tell me a cut and it is wrong. So, so like, I mean, think about how many things in the audition room that are in your control. Mm-hmm. The clarity of the printing of your music mm-hmm. and knowing your cuts and things like that, that is all completely controlled, like in the, in the environment, mm-hmm. like do every single thing that you can to promote non-chaos when you get in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And also just in terms of like, you know, people people doing stuff I guess my one my one thing would be like echoing what B say with in terms of acting like sing the sing the stuff you actually want to not what you think the company wants to hear because you would I cannot tell you the amount of times I go into a goddamn room the first piece is bad it's not good the second piece so much better and it's like why don't you just do that first or something you know Mm -hmm. it's like why why don't you do what you want to sing because just because someone's doing Boheme, if you can't sing Michiamano or Donde Leata, and you're going to offer that first and kind of butcher it, that's the first impression everyone has about you. And that's not going to go away. Like, sing what you sing what you love. If there's something else you... And also just, like, act it. Like, I don't... Again, young artist programs, how they always do, like, the thing with the hands and the presentation that B was talking about. Like, all that, 
no, you know, and also I'm a pianist. So like, you know, just like, I always think there should be a director in the room for that. Usually there isn't, or there it's like with callbacks, but I also feel like, I guess there's a lot that like singers can control that they don't realize, you know, because everyone's like always wants to do like, oh, I, they're doing this. So I like want to make sure that I have this piece. It's like, no, sing what you sing well, be the one trick pony. You get out of bed, you do the same thing everywhere and you do it really great. And that's like, you can get a lot out of something that's really great. Like just, just do that everywhere. Like don't, don't change it up. Don't try to make yourself special. It's not going to work, you know, cause you're not going to collaborate well, you know, you know, and also just like be very giving to the pianist, you know, a lot of singers don't realize that a lot of pianists follow you by how you breathe through your back. So, you know, if you're if you're like gonna get nervous and like, step out of that, like you're not wanting me to collaborate with you. And you're not letting them see you like be on the other side, what's going on, like, mm -hmm. you know, do you do, do your thing. And if you don't know how to do it, get a new teacher and a coach, and they'll help you with that. Like, yeah, but that's my opinion. Right. right. I mean, like, and, and I'll just add this to because it's a thing that people have commented on in my auditions mm -hmm. as a positive thing is like, I work with a lot of coaches who either are conductors, mm -hmm. or know the rep really, really, really well. And I also listen to orchestral recordings of the opera that I'm singing the aria from. And one of the things that I'm always listening for when I'm preparing is like, where are the places where I stop leading the music because there are moments where you as the singer lead the music right know the moments where you're reacting mm -hmm. to the accompaniment and know the moments when you're in a duet with the accompaniment because the moments that you're in a duet with the accompaniment you get to actually collaborate with the pianist in a really like musical way and if you can do that in the audition room one the pianist always loves you because <laughs> they got to make music maybe for the first time that day mm -hmm. and then the opera company goes, oh, this person actually knows what they need to do with this. Yes. And I mean, Felix, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the rooms that I've sat in on, like when you leave, the pianist is the first one to say something to behind the table. Like, damn, they could like, we had a great moment. Like, that was great. Like the pianist just like instinctually will say something, not like, you know, like to talk smack or whatever. It's just almost like, you know, right. they response. just experience something. They yeah. just experience something and they, and they talk about it. So right. like, I think, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's inappropriate to, to tell people that that's what happens. Like prepare I mean, yeah. yourself for that. It's collaboration. I mean, I think that's, I think without, you know, just as a general thing, that shouldn't be a surprise to any singer because it's a collaborative art form. And, you know, you are trying to show things. You're trying to show you can sing. You're trying to show you can act. You know what's going on in the story, the storytelling of it. You know, how you how you do it. Because so, so many people think it's like like this unicorn thing, the perfect audition. It's really not. You just need to find, you need to find that piece, that starter. And you just need to like, just do it and just do it. Because everyone just comes in. Also, B, you do so much dramatic coaching. You know, how many singers are like, oh, they just try to switch it up. Or they try to see, oh, it's like, you know, honestly, it's oh, like it's less, planning. Le less is more said, just like go on autopilot with it. Like you just like release some of some of the best things that like I had learned along the way, because, you know, I, I went to drama school is that the people casting a show have a problem. They have a show with no one to be in it and you walk in as the solution to their problem. That gives you power, right? And um, I study with a musical theater composer 
because you know I the the contemporary opera programs don't necessarily dazzle me. I don't really. I want to learn from people that I admire. We're so not I, saying names. No, I'm just no, I'm just saying. I'm so that's my 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 favorite contemporary musical theater composer is Ryan Scott Oliver, and he runs a amazing program for writers as well as singers, actors therapy, writers therapy. And he gives lectures as a part of your writer circle. And he had said, he's like, we cast people, we don't cast singers. And I'm like, that is so important for people to know Mm -hmm. that you come in not as singer, you come in as a person that is about to share something. And then he said, he was like, some of like the people on Broadway are like the messiest people I know. Like they're hilarious. They're fun. They're just like humans and they're on the top, you know? So it's like, just be, be yourself in there. Have a conversation. People are always going to say something because a lot of people find power in saying something and finding something to nitpick at. This says more about them than it does about you. Throw your hands up in the air that like, yeah, that's human nature. That's, that's what they love to do about this. So just, just do you, just do you boo. <laughs> yeah. And then also okay. I think what, what, one little thing I'll also say is like, please don't come into an audition singing rep that's too big for you. Like a lot of the, like half the time, like 90% of the sopranos do that and they can't actually like cut and cut in a theater. So like, if we can't hear you, and that's also a thing with, you know, with B too, is like, we can't hear them. Like, like you, you gotta know, like if you're, if you're, if you're at a certain level with the way that you cut, don't come in with rep that's too big for you or that you think you're going to be in a couple years. Cause that's just gonna, if you're just not going to be singing in five years and no one's going to hire you, like you're throwing your money away. Yeah. yeah. Wow, we are so pessimistic today. Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think this is like realism that as it's what you said, Felix, no one is getting this in school. So why no. not share reality as opposed to adding to the fallacy that so many right. people are under the guise of? Like, no. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I think people like me. <laughs> I think people like me. No, I think people like me because I don't do that. I don't like, no. there's no, there's no smoke. There's no mirrors. Right. Um, like, it's just, this is it. To bring it back, like, to collaboration and to, like, you know, not being scared to work and be equals with the people in the room. Like, the only way that you know the answers to those things about, is this too big for my voice? Is this the right for me? Is asking yourself and also asking others and finding people that you connect with um, artistically that you can work on your craft with. And you, you know, I think too many people coming up or trying to come up and have a career are less focused on the experience of the audition, the experience of the collaboration, the experience period that, and and they're just worried about like the next best thing or something. How am I going to get this? Mm -hmm. You know, so to bring it back to collaboration, really like working with people like you, we started by saying you're approachable, reach out. You're the kind of people that can help, you know, open that up if that makes sense yeah and also also (laughs) b and i just mentioned several really helpful things that you can be aware of but in auditions singers are so in their head about so many things and they have so many thoughts which have nothing to do with all the things that we talked about that get people hired so it's almost like my motto when i've been coaching like with people reopening is like there are thoughts for a time and a place and that time and a place is not right now 
right? Right. Not I was right just- now. You have something that you need to do. You have something that you need to show her. You have something that you need to communicate to me. That's what you should be thinking about. Everything else, think about it. If there's something different you want to do, think about it afterwards. Like go, don't go for a coaching for the next day. Don't don't think about that now. Think about what we all. That's my last. Piece and I think that help. I think that's something like you know something that we do in drama school we just like things called like movement for the actor and it's like how to like meditate properly within your breath and relax your body to be just like a conduit of the story and a conduit of character like you you singers plan to the t when their coachings are when their vocal lessons are this and that integrate yoga into that practice integrate if you can you know with health insurance and whatnot acupuncture or chiropractics you know things like that that can release your body that when you're in that room you are able to just you gave your binder you're about to collaborate and now you could plant on the ground and no one is going to not hire you if you don't wear barbie heels you know like it's just that's not first of all that should have never been okay and like, I've never heard someone saying, wow, they looked like a slob in the rehearsal room in any, genuinely, in any single thing that I've done, no one has commented on that. Even at the worst of like, you know, when I was doing this in 2014, 2015, before the Me Too movement, let's call a spade a spade. Um, I never heard anyone talk about a garment or anyone looking like a slob or their footwear or anything, genuinely. So wear comfy, like, you know, not like... <laughs> you know, you know, be comfy, be comfy. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think one thing, one thing I want to share about exactly this is like all the things that B is talking about to do to like put in your practice. Generally, I think singers tend to be a pretty anxious bunch. Yeah. We tend to be a pretty anxious bunch. And I'll say this pre this year, I did all of that strategy work and would do yoga and would like try to center myself before I walked in the room. And I was getting to a point where I could, like, I think I had like desensitized myself, but it was very, very hard for me to not uh, be a robot in the room in front of people. And like, it would be a blur to me, like the things I would end up saying to the pianist and the things I would end up saying to the people at the table. And like, I felt very, very anxious. And I just gave my first audition post-op and also post-taking anti-anxiety medication. I've been on it now for four or five months. And for the first time in my life, I could actually utilize all those strategies. Yeah. So I just want to say to our listeners, if you are already doing all the things of the breathing work, the meditation, you're preparing yourself well, you're preparing your acting and you're getting into that room and you can't still get centered. Think about either whether there's a step you're still missing somewhere in terms of your preparation. But I can say this, I am the most prepared singer. (laughs) Cause that's the way that I would cope with, like try to beat my anxiety, but really I couldn't really utilize those tools to their full extent and really be present in the room until I had professional help. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, you know, that, that is something that like, I, I constantly bite my tongue on Marcel because like, I never know the, (laughs) It's it's a taboo thing that like I don't want to come on your podcast and be like get medicated, go to therapy, do all that. Like, I, no, but we're all we're all about it. <laughs> but I am 
you know, yeah, and being, like, pre- yeah, being present, no matter what, no matter where you are, like in your, you know, mental health, being present is a practice and you cannot right. be perfect all the time. You cannot have everything together and, and being present is something you continue to practice. And it's part of, I think it's part of artistry, honestly, and you don't always have it all together. So I think sometimes oh. like that wall that people put up to pretend like they have it all together. Whereas like, sometimes it's like, I know this like doesn't have the cuts. Like, I mean, you know, I know this, like you can't have it all together. And that, like, but if you're connecting and you're telling your story, like how you walk in, like how you said be, hi, I'm here to fix your problem. I have a story to tell you today. I am not perfect, but I am trying to be present today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah can I just say like what a magical experience it was to sing an audition and feel the nervous energy and actually be able to tap into it and use it to feed my performance for the yeah. first time ever, instead of having it kill my breast support, make my high notes unstable and just like sing for people and not be worried about myself. That's, absolutely. that's the goal for how that experience should be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for Mental health is super important. I also have therapy in mind and like, it's a, you know, it's a conversation, you know, that is, you know, I always encourage, you know, and. You know, you need to make that time and the place for that because, you know, it's a very, it's a very uh, kind of an industry or a business or an art form that calls on emotion so much of the time. You need to create the emotional space to have for that because it is work. And so that work life, it's very, it's, it's, there are very hard boundaries at times to create, but it's absolutely essential, you know, like. You know, that's what I'm doing right now this week. I'm taking a little time off because I like need a little, I need to like actually sleep, sleep through a whole night. Um, so, which is, which is just part of like, as you know, as B was saying, we're vampires. So like, this is like, <laughs> uh, but still a vampire needs her beauty sleep. So that's, that's um, but no, it's super important. And you just have to make that, you have to make that time and it will make a difference in your, in every aspect of your life, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, just as a, as a coach, sometimes you double as therapist. So I always try to encourage that with any of my singers that are working with me, like make time for that. That's really important. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's important that you be healthy. Yeah. yeah. No. And our, and our generation is definitely addressing that, you know, that there's, there's no shame in, I mean, every, like, you know, everyone needs help at some point and like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can say this, like we've, if like there's been like a something, you know, with one of our productions where someone is not having a great day mentally, we're like, just stay home. Yeah. Or like, you know, or like there was like, you know, or like in, if like you need to like leave early because you you don't feel safe going to the train station late night by yourself, leave the fuck early. We don't yeah. we want you to feel safe. Like, like little things like that, because we care about people. Like, so also in our practice together, when we're running a room we are very conscious of that so you know that that and that just happens you know like if you need a mental health day take it like we'll be fine if also if you're sick don't come to rehearsal right right I if just we learned that, anything i know right? you'd, be, you'd be surprised right? but, like, I, but we haven't no yeah i know no <laughs> I, I just remember i remember the first time i was in a rehearsal room and i was having a really bad mental health day and the music director caught like noticed and he pulled me aside and he was like, hey, it seems like you're really struggling today. We, were all, we weren't even halfway through our day. And he was like, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm sending you home. Like, I want you to go home and be well and come back tomorrow. Like, take care of yourself first. And I had never had the, an experience where someone told me it was okay to not try to be a hero. Mm-hmm. And 
that that beautiful person has unfortunately passed away since. But like, I would have done anything for him going forward. Like any opportunity to work with him. If he was like in dire need for a soprano and was like, hey, I need somebody to fill in and sing in Russian at the last minute, I was like, I'm there because I know you're going to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, like... <laughs> Dan is a manager at NASA and like even his superior will say like, don't your mental health is more than this. So like if, if like rocket scientists are granted permission to have mental health, I think opportunities <laughs> could be granted the permission to like, yeah, chill out. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, everyone. This was such a good conversation. Thank you yes. so, so much. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you both. This is wonderful. I love, I'm I love, so I love what you guys are doing. It's so cool. Thank you. Thanks for coming. It was so great to talk with you. We had so many, I could, we feel like we could go on and on. So (laughs) we'll just have to have you back. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully after hindsight and after more things opening up, hopefully maybe we'll even get to record in person. I know. That would be, that would be amazing. That's it for today. This podcast was created for all the opera singers out there getting shit done. So keep on keeping on, people. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review it to help spread the word. You can also support the podcast through Patreon, where you can get early access to episodes, merchandise discounts, workshops and resources, and ad-free episodes. And you did hear that right, people. We now have merch. Find out more about all of this at mysocalledoperalife.com. Still can't get enough of us and want to add your voice to the conversation? Join us for our weekly coffee chats every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern on Instagram Live at MSCOL Podcast. This podcast is produced and hosted by Elise Mark and Marcel McGurk and edited by Joshua Wise. Questions or comments? Email us at info at mysocalledoperalife.com. This season, we're sponsored by Conduit Studios. Marcel, how's the technology going for you? Uh, I don't know about you, Elise, but I am stressed out about tech on top of everything else in this fucking pandemic. Agreed. Conduit Studios is a production company that specializes in high-quality video and audio capture for creatives, run by musicians who understand your artistic needs. They offer high-quality, dynamic, multi-camera performance capture, which is perfect for concerts, auditions, live streams, and more. They are in an affordable and accessible way to elevate your digital presence. You can enjoy a low-stress, relaxed environment to record in so you can focus on your art, and they'll take care of the rest. Conduit Studios is based in Southern California, but they service many clients nationwide. Visit ConduitStudiosMedia.com for more information or to schedule a session.